Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. You are either looking or hearing from two of the people who have yet, now it could happen, but as of now, Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, we have yet to be attacked by Draymond Green. It, it could happen. He could stomp on our chest or kick us in the nads or put us in a chokehold <laughs> or throw us into the bleachers. Ray, thus far, neither of us. It, it's a small community of right. people who, that, that have not been attacked by Draymond Green. So we're kind of lucky thus far. I, I don't watch most Warriors games at this point. I happen to turn it on like – four seconds after the melee started last night. So I got to watch 15 minutes. And again, it just brings to mind the fact that replay is awful. It took 15 freaking minutes on, just make a decision. I will say this, and I'll, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what you have to th- say, Kyle. Um, I'm a Warriors fan, okay? So I'm biased, I guess, that way. But in the NHL, if there's two people in a fight and a third person jumps in, the third person's automatically chucked, right? Mm-hmm. In the NBA... Gobert jumped in, and whatever he was doing, he was doing. He jumped in between the other two guys. It didn't look like he was really there to be a peacemaker. He grabbed Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. Did Draymond grab him too hard? Maybe. But, hey, man, it's heat of the moment. There's a du- big dude jumping on your teammate. Okay. What do you think? Because, again, in the NHL, Gobert would be out. He'd be thrown out for being the third man into a fight. It seemed wrong to me that well, he was an aggressor there, too, and nothing happened to him. Well, no. I mean, stuff happened. Gobert. He, he he claimed that he was breaking it up. And I guess it took 15 minutes of looking at the replay for them to uh, understand body language. Perhaps. It was pretty clear, I guess, if it took yeah. that long, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I will just say this. Draymond Green has a reputation that Rudy Gobert does not. Mm-hmm. So when Draymond Green does things, of course he's going to get tossed. I, I'm more fascinated by how Draymond Green is constantly doing the. You know how people get older and older, Ray, and they start to – um they, they kind of lose the muzzle they start to say what they ca- think about it's like who cares i'm i'm 88 years old i can say whatever the hell i want i'm right. tired of living by like real people rules I, I feel like draymond green has reached that point ray where he's like such a veteran and he's such an institution in golden state that he feels he can just do anything i mean last year he's punching teammates i mean come on and and what happened the other guy got sent out of town like, like Draymond Green stuck around. I, I just feel like he's all—he's he, the—he's the modern day Dennis Rodman. That's what he is. He's Rodman was always causing trouble, and that's what Draymond Green's doing. I don't like his act at all. To be fair, I think I just play football. I play football, play basketball because he's actually a really good he basketball is player. Football, right? Yes, he is. That. You're right. He's Freudian slip, but not. Uh, but I, I wish he would just play basketball because he's a good basketball player. All the other nonsense, like I can't imagine, I can't, you know, I've watched all these playoff games, he's getting teed up, right? It's like, just play the game. I think it's, I think number one, it was because he's Draymond Green and I don't, I don't approve of that. I think the game should be called fair for everyone, personally. Same rules for everyone, number one. Number two, I'm shocked the Warriors lost by three points because Tr- Thompson got chucked for getting, doing nothing. Draymond Green got chucked and Curry was out with an ankle issue. And somehow the Warriors almost won the basketball game, which is pretty remarkable. But yeah, I just... And again, I'm a Warriors fan, and I don't I don't like Draymond's act, but I, I thought that they, the officials handled it wrong. And, you know, again, it took 15 minutes to handle it wrong. Well, um, you know, that that attack, that that melee, I guess it wasn't a melee, that confrontation 
um, literally happened like 90 seconds into last night's game. There weren't even points on the board. <laughs> now, we've got 90 seconds here, so I think we're in the clear. First uh, time but... in NBA history, three guys have been thrown out before a point was scored. <laughs> history in the making. And, Ray, you almost saw it live. I almost, almost just missed there it. Just, just, maybe next time, Ray. Maybe next time. Uh, good to have you with us on Fantasy Sports Daily. It is the Wednesday edition. Kyle and Ray hanging out with you. Uh, welcome in to everybody joining us uh, via X or Facebook or YouTube. Uh, audio people, we appreciate you downloading us uh, each and every day. Uh, what do we got for today? Well, I actually have some big news for today. Uh, we got some news this morning that Deshaun Watson, uh, who I jokingly, what was that Monday? I was saying, do not listen to people who say Deshaun Watson is back. Well, I was wrong because he is back on the sidelines. That That is where he, he's done for the year. We will talk about the injury to Deshaun Watson, what it means for the Browns, but also what it means for Deshaun Watson. Got some more news out of the AFC North. Um, Jalen Warren, starter, doesn't matter. News on Justin Fields, week 11 spreads and totals. We'll sneak in some baseball. Uh, the NL Cy Young will be handed out later today. And, and unlike a lot of, you know, award contests, this is a real debate. You know, who deserves the NL Cy Young? So I'm interested in Ray's take coming up. And also a guy who is not up for NL Cy Young, but he is certainly up for major trade piece, Corbin Burns of the Brewers. His market starting to uh, heat up, and uh, there's a lot of free agent pitchers. And Ray Corbin Burns is, in effect, on a one-year deal, but he might be the best pitcher available in this offseason when you look at it. Yeah, I mean, he's... Um... Cut his hair. He's a new man. Uh, he obviously was very disappointed with how negotiations went last go round uh, with his club. So it does not sound like he has much interest in hanging around and you know changing managers and moving pieces. So yeah, he, he'll be a fascinating case because you know whoever acquires him uh, is going to be looking to sign him to an extension. So it's always interesting how they work out that trade. Do we get a window to discuss it with the guy? Do we have to do it blind? We'll obviously see how it plays out. So a little baseball, a lot of football coming your way. As always, you can make use of that promo code FSD20, 20% off everything right now when you head to fantasyguru.com. Okay, Ray, let's jump into things here on this Wednesday. And we'll start with the news out of Cleveland. Um, turns out Deshaun Watson uh, is truly hurt, um, although it appears this injury, this shoulder, uh, got worse in the game this past weekend against Baltimore. Uh, he, in effect, re-injured or further injured the shoulder in the first quarter against Baltimore. Um, he looked bad in the first half, looked terrible in the first half. Second half was a different story. Browns came back for the victory against the Ravens. We find out on Tuesday after an MRI that not only is Deshaun Watson now dealing with a further shoulder injury that will require a surgery. Uh, Ray, we're also told he played through, I guess, a high ankle injury. Uh, so he's a hero. You know, he goes out with his head held high, uh, gets a big victory on the road. Shoulder surgery, Ray, and, and you now look at Deshaun Watson. He's done for this year. And and I would assume, we don't know exactly what the injury is, but it sounds like a break. So it's kind of a bone healing situation. The assumption is, Ray, he's good to go week one for 2024. I, I just wonder what in the hell we have as a fantasy quarterback going into next season because it, it, it doesn't matter what you look at. He was not a good quarterback. This year or at the end of last season, there's some really damning numbers that, that kind of tell you Deshaun Watson is a below average quarterback. 
And, and we're all going to be going in kind of blind, I think, next season, wondering what we have with him in Cleveland as, as we assume the lead signal caller for this franchise. Yeah, there's a lot of bad contracts that have been given out in sports history. And from the moment this fully guaranteed contract was given to Watson, everyone, I think, I know you and I, said this is, wow, like what are the Browns doing? And I, I saw something, he's paid over $90 million, he's made 11 starts. <laughs> and like you said, they haven't been very good. Um, this contract keeps getting worse. Uh, they're, they're, all the reports we're hearing now is the shoulder will be fine, but we know from any sport, your shoulders, it's hard when you start going in there and doing surgery on the shoulder. Obviously, when you have 330-pound guys landing on top of you, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the they earlier in the year, they lost Nick Chubb. They lost their two tackles, Conklin and Wills. Like, this team is hemorrhaging pieces right as they're starting to ascend and, and play better. So we'll wish the Browns good luck, but to circle back to your question with Watson, I have no idea what he's, what his future is. I mean, mm -hmm. the off the field stuff is what it is. And, you know, then we've got the on the field stuff, which is now messy as all get out. He did not look like the same guy, I guess in the second half yet the other day, he looked solid. And that's really the first time he's basically looked solid as a Brown. So his uh, future is completely up in the air uh, and what he has to bring. I mean, it's been year. It will have been years since we saw Deshaun Watson, I'm air quoting it for people listening yeah. on podcast. It'll have been years since we've seen Deshaun Watson on the football field heading into next year. It, it will have been over three years that he's been good. And in this sport, Ray, forget about it. It's a long time. It's too long. And I, I have made the case about Calvin Ridley coming into this year that every, you know, I get it. He's a talent in the offense, but th those layoffs are tough to come back from. Josh Gordon, a guy who had continual layoffs, uh, you know, guys like Martavis Bryant, they're talented, but who cares? You know, when you miss out on playing the game for that long, it doesn't really matter. And I think we've seen that with Watson. I, I saw some numbers. I think this was over at the Athletic, Ray. It, since he returned to being an NFL quarterback, uh, so this is, I think, week 13 of last year was his return. Uh, there are 34 qualified quarterbacks, guys who've had enough dropbacks and passes, you know, to be qualified in certain statistical categories. Uh, Deshaun Watson is 31st in EPA per dropback. He is 29th in completion percentage. Now, I'll remind you, the last time we saw Deshaun Watson look good, he was over 70% with Houston. With the Browns, he is 59%. That is a dramatic fall off. Um, he's 27th in passer rating. Not just this year. This is since he returned. Ray's bad. He's not a quarterback. I'm taking a chance. He's not even running anymore. I mean, that, that part of his game is pretty well dissipated. So, so I worry about Watson's future. And, and again, done for the season. What about the Browns' future here? Like Amari Cooper, is it junk? Now? We're dealing with P.J. Walker for, what, yeah. the final six, seven games? I mean, P.J. Walker is less accurate than Deshaun Watson. <laughs> I, like an Amari Cooper owner is now scrambling. A guy who's performed well this year, but now your expectations, you're hoping to get three quarters of what you usually get with Amari Cooper at this point. Yeah, and Josh Dobbs was with the Browns at the start of the year. Ooh. Just remember that. Um, great question with Cooper because – you know, we talked about this a lot. When the backup quarterback comes in, they, I think, realize I got to make things happen if I have any shot of being somebody. I can't be a game manager and change my career outlook, right? I got to do something. So what does that mean? I, as the quarterback, then say, who is my guy? 
Devonte Adams, who is my guy? Justin Jefferson, who is my guy? It's Mari Cooper here. So I got to get the ball to Mari Cooper. The problem is I don't think P.J. Walker can, to mm-hmm. your point. I don't think he can. And I think in the case of Cooper, he's not, you know, jitterbug out there like Tyreek Hill, right? He's not out there running fly routes like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's more of a tactician. And I think the mix there with him and P.J. Walker is just not a good one. So I think Walker causes Cooper, who's kind of on that borderline wide receiver one, two every week. I think he's now in the borderline two, three wide receiver ranks. And that's even that we have to assess who's the matchup this week and all of that kind of stuff. But Cooper goes from a must start every week to someone now who, depending upon your roster, not even necessarily have to be active. The silver lining for me, and I'm, I'm down on Cooper, but if you look at the three games Walker played earlier this year when Watson was dealing with the shoulder, there was one bad game of the three. The other two games were not bad. Remember, uh, P.J. Walker led the Browns to a win over San Francisco. Remember that? Uh, in that game, Cooper, four catches, 108 yards. Uh, he followed that up in Indianapolis with two catches for 22. That was the, the dud. Uh, the following week after that, Ray, against Seattle, 11 targets, six catches, 89 yards. So I, on the surface, I'm like, oh, God, this is cooked. If you look at what we have to go off, it hasn't been bad. I, I think the issue I have is outside of broken plays, I don't think P.J. Walker is really going to be airing it out. I think this is going to be an offense that kind of plays it close to the vest, does a ton of running with Hunt and Ford. I think those guys, like if you got Jerome Ford now, Ray, 15 to 20 touches should be a given. I even think Kareem Hunt's going to be good for 10 to 13 touches a week. Like he's locked into that spot. Maybe there's enough because we know how football works. You run and run and run and then you try to beat them over the top. Maybe there's enough there for Cooper to have some big plays. But this is a guy this season who's averaging over 17 yards per catch. Amari Cooper. He's actually been a bigger play threat this year than he has in years past. He may still get receptions, Ray, but the yardage, the touchdowns, like this isn't an explosive offense even with Watson. I I start looking at the Browns, Ray, and it's like, how are we scoring more than 21 points a week on average? They may have a pop game here or there, but I I just think this offense is going to become really boring. They're kind of built that way anyway. Um, they, They may be, they may you know, mess it up enough, you know, make it an ugly game and win a bunch of games 17 to 13 or 14 to 10 because they do have a good defense. This is kind of like what the Jets are doing, right? Often, and again, I'm I'm jumping, they're going to suck with P.J. Walker, okay? I guess I'll be that guy. They're they're not going to be that good. That doesn't mean they can't win. And, Ray, everything that pulls away from Cooper, I think it does go to Ford and Chubb. I mean, excuse me, Ford and Hunt. Those guys are in good spots to say every week, I may not get numbers, but I can start these guys now. Like Kareem Hunt down the stretch is a starter in almost all fantasy leagues moving forward. We have a very Falcons-like situation occurring here. We have a good defense. Uh, We have two guys in the backfield that are successful, and we have a quarterback who's spotty. And I think that, you know, Hunt scored a touchdown in five straight games. He's not doing anything. You know, it's 10 carries for 36 yards, but he scored a touchdown in five straight games. And, you know, Ford is routinely getting 17 touches and not being great, but doing plenty to be a weekly starter, even though people don't seem to realize that. He's a top 20 running back, basically, since, uh, you know, since he ascended with the injury to um, Chubb. I think that you're, you're, you're totally right about this. I think the lean on their defense, 
Uh, I think that they will try to win games 21 to 17. I think that they're capable of doing that. Uh, but the offense is likely to be very boring. And, and another another situation to keep an eye on, I think, is David Njoku, who, you know, they, he signs this big contract. He's really athletic. The Browns for years, you know, haven't really figured out how to get him involved more. It seems like they've done that. Does that continue with P.J. Walker or not? I think that's a big key because now people are looking at Njoku, whereas they grabbed him off the wave and they're feeling really good about it. We're starting this guy every week. He looks like a top 10 tight end. Now there's that concern. Is he going to have the pop games? Is he going to be consistent? Is he going to return to the David Njoku of the past, which is three catches for 37 yards? I think that's another big key to whether or not the offense works and what obviously Njoku's value is in the fantasy game. You know, one last thing on this. Um, and again, uh, Cooper, I think it's obvious to everybody. You know, even if you have a different take and say, well, look at the three games he had with Walker. Most everybody knows that when you lose your starting quarterback and you, in effect, go to a undrafted QB, what was he in the USFL? I can't remember. I, he was like the MVP of the USFL, whatever yeah. the league was. Um, when you make that switch, everyone expects your top receiver to take a hit. Everybody. Ray, I, I will say, for those who are looking down the stretch, it's like, man, I could just use that third receiver. I don't have that third receiver on my team. I'll take a shot on Amari Cooper, despite my hesitations, despite my expectations that he falls. If I can get Amari Cooper now at 70 cents on the dollar, go ahead and make that move. If, if, I'm, can give a, if I can get Amari Cooper and I need the receiver, remember, this is if you have the need. You know, I can pick up 2-2 Atwell or I can trade for Amari Cooper at 70% cost. If I can give up uh, RB4. If I can give up, let's say I've been carrying a second tight end or I'm carrying a second quarterback that I've got a stud like Mahomes or Hurts and I've got this second quarterback on my team. We've reached that point in fantasy football week 11, the double digit weeks where Ray, we talk about this every year, but it serves as a reminder. You have to like, you know, crap or get off the toilet and you start cutting away from some of that depth. It's great to have running back depth in week four and week eight. Now we're to the point, Ray, where you start saying, I'm going to build my starting lineup and I'm going to take the chance and I'm going to run the risk of, hey, if an injury happens, maybe the season's for naught. But if I can, if I can, this me mm -hmm. personally, if I can flip like an RB4, QB2 at this point and get Amari Cooper and I get my third receiver, even with the doubts of working with Walker, I, I like the odds. I, I like taking that shot, Ray. And taking, you know, taking the chance on, on Amari Cooper if he's a discount and if I have that need. Yeah, and I guess there's a lot of leagues where the trade deadline's this week, so you've got a few days to to figure that out. Uh, I think that the way you laid it out is 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 very fair. Uh, there are plenty of teams that are struggling. I mean, you know, you look at O'Connell with the, the the Raiders, and all of a sudden, you know, it's all there's all this volatility there. Jacoby Myers is no longer part of the offense. You know, you, you look at around the land, the Carolina can't do anything through the air. Atlanta's struggling to do things through the air. Titans can't. I mean, it's like there's so many teams where they're struggling to build something offensively, especially at the wide receiver position, that, you know, even a guy like Cooper, who we both said, look, he's not the same guy without Watson. Is he still going to catch five passes for 58 yards a week? He needs to. Like, yeah. he needs to in this offense. And if they still say, look, our commitment's got to be 10 targets to him, maybe there are those games where it's seven for 90 and a touchdown. So it's always about cost, as you as you laid out. 
Uh, people like to deal with black and whites. And unfortunately, that's just not really how it is. I wish it was. It'd be, make my job much simpler. But it always is about the grays. And I think you laid out how to handle Cooper moving forward quite effectively. So there's the news with the Browns, uh, who are taking on the uh, Steelers. It's actually a very important game coming up this weekend. Speaking of those Steelers, uh, Ray, there was a, uh, do we still say there was a tweet or there was an X? Uh, I don't even know what you call it now. Yeah, I'm saying tweet. Uh, thanks a lot, Elon. Um, <laughs> Brooks Pryor, who I'm not very familiar with. I, I assume a writer, you know, somebody who covers the Steelers, uh, had a tweet about Najee Harris. I, I think saying after Sunday's game, the tweet was put out Tuesday, but saying after Sunday's game that Mike Tomlin came to Jalen Warren and told Jalen Warren, you're our starting running back. That's that's what Jalen Warren appears to have told this reporter. Um, so he tweets it out. Okay, Jalen Warren. I, I think Najee Harris got the first carry on Sunday, right? <laughs> Even though Jalen Warren was told he's a star. And I know that's not the best way. Of, but you would think Saturday night, you're our starter. Sunday afternoon, should I get the first carry? I, and And... This has been reported like nowhere else, Ray. I checked like the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette to see if this was a Because in our world, if if somebody, this has been a discussion all year. You know, Jalen Ward, Najee Harris, who's the guy? In our world, if something had been said, we'd be like, wow, Jalen Ward's the guy. Mike Tomlin hasn't said anything publicly. I, I've gone and looked at a few beat writers with the Steelers. I can't find anything really. And, and it made me think, Ray, does this mean a damn thing? Like, should anyone care that Jalen Warren supposedly was told he's the starter? Or are, are we just exactly what it's kind of been the last two weeks of a 50-50 split between these two? Yeah, and this question obviously came up in Discord over at FantasyGuru.com. Again, you can use the promo code FSD20 for discounts on our products over there, including Discord, which is 24-hour-a-day chat room. And I, I basically, because someone was concerned because they saw the report too, and I said, I don't think this changes anything. Yeah. Because I go, this is what we've got anyway. Um, you know, you look at last week, 33 snaps for Harris, 33 snaps for Warren. If Warren was told he was a starter, he didn't do a very good job because he had the same amount of snaps as his backup. Now, he did do a good job, right? He was explosive. He had 100 plus 100 yards on the ground, first time in his career. And uh, Harris still had as many uh, snaps. He also only ran four fewer routes than Warren. So basically, they drew each other to a draw. And if you look at the last two weeks, uh, we have 37 touches. For Harris and 31 for Warren. So, yeah, if, if Warren was told this before the game, which is what he said, it didn't play out on the field. I, I find it very odd to think at this point where the Steelers seemingly have found a nice mixture, right? They're giving the ball to Harris 18 times a week. They're giving the ball 13 times to Warren. Both guys are giving him 80 yards from scrimmage. Both guys are in, in the play, in the mix for touchdowns every week. Why are they going to change that? And the answer is they're not. Yeah. Okay. And if Warren ends up with 52% of the touches and it's 48 for Harris. Okay. Okay. I mean, but again, it's been this way for a long time now. It's been coming. We've seen it coming. Uh, I do find it odd that the story breaks at a point where Najee Harris is finally finding his groove, <laughs> right? He really is, right? And the coaching staff sees this. They're not going to turn away from him. We talked about it on Monday. Pickett, is, Pickett stinks. He's not going to throw the football. They're going to keep him under 30 pass attempts unless they fall behind by 14 points every week. It's going to be Warren. It's going to be Harris. I don't think this news changed much. Well, the expectation this week, Ray, is both these offenses, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, they're not really a threat for 30 points. That That's the expectation. Mm -hmm. So Pittsburgh's going to come into this game saying, we're not going to be trailing by 10 points. 
we're, we're not going to fall behind a PJ Walker led team, you know, 14 to three. And all of a sudden we're going to have to go with Kenny Pickett. Like their game plan is going to be exactly what it was last week against Green Bay. You know, 30 plus rushing attempts, if not 40 versus 25 to 30 pass attempts for Kenny Pickett. That's going to be their game plan. Now, the Browns defense is really good against the pass and they're strong against the run. So we all need to, you know, even if you're playing Warren or Harris, it's not like you go into this game and say, wow, this is going to be a third straight game where these guys just do it. Because the last two games, they've really done it, that combo. And and you're right, Ray. I, I think the combo is the way to go. This story or tweet means nothing to me unless I hear Mike Tomlin say it. Like, if he stands at the podium and said, yeah, he's our starter. I, I What I suspect, Ray, is Saturday night, this is, this is what Jalen Warren was told. Okay. He was probably told, hey, kid, you're playing like a starter. We love what you're doing. Just keep it up. And he heard, hey, kid, you're the starter. Just keep it up. <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah, I, I feel that's what he what he was told versus what he's because Mike Tomlin's history is to stick with one guy. And and we're big believers in a coach's history and how they usually handle things. Mm-hmm. I think Mike Tomlin's gotten to the point where Najee Harris, you know, we want him to be the guy. He was high draft pick and we want to give him 20 carries. And in year one, he's like 350 and then scaled back a bit in year two. And they wanted to get it going. It wasn't getting and, and Warren's done well. So now, Ray, they've kind of changed their thought process with backfields like so much of the NFL has and said, okay, we're fine with both these guys. And so I, I saw this yesterday. It's like, oh gosh, the, 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 the Najee Harris owner is going to feel like the world has ended. And the Jalen Warren owner is going to feel like, oh my gosh, I've been promised the, you know, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I don't think it's the case. I, I think both these guys, right. It's kind of like the Ford hunt thing. Mm-hmm. Both these guys were starters and, and you just roll with them. And if you own Harris, I'm not put out. By, by what Jalen Warren is doing or, or how many touches. And if I own Warren, I'm not put out by Harris still sticking around. That's the way it is. And, and it's a little different from what we expected or I expected from the Steelers. I thought Harris would be more of a 65-35 lead. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. It's a 50-50 thing. And I think it's going to remain that way with the way this team is built, with the lack of QB play they're getting from Kenny Pickett. They have to be built this way. That's the smart move for the Steelers down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. And I again, to reiterate, Warren and Harris played the same amount of snaps last week, and Harris had two more touches. So mm-hmm. even, if, even if he's not the starter now, and I, you know, I was wrong because I anticipated this 65-35 thing for Harris too. If you, though, had told me Harris is going to get 19 touches like he did last week, I don't care how many touches Warren gets. He's getting 19 touches, right? Yeah. So this is a result of the way the offense is changing because of the Kenny Pickett scenario. And this is one of those situations that we've seen evolve over the course of the year. And there are ones, you mentioned the Browns uh, being another, where you can play both guys in the backfield. You know, that that's where we're at in 2023. Uh, they're going to win the game offensively through that backfield, not on the arm of PJ, uh, not on the arm, excuse me, of Kenny Pickett. And, and I mentioned uh, how this game is expected to go on Sunday between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. It's not just my opinion. Uh, Vegas does have that game with a 34 and a half total. So they're expecting, I don't know, Ray, are we going to get 65-35 combined rushing to pass attempts for both teams? It may be that heavy between yeah. the Browns and the Steelers. Well, the problem is you got to be able to sustain drives, too. And if you can't pass, it's you know there's a lot of three and outs, maybe. Uh, I, I, I I wouldn't feel good betting the over. I'll, I'll go the under on 34. Yeah, I wouldn't feel good about betting the over. That's how I'd put it. But it's a very important game. Uh, Browns are favored by two in that matchup. 
Uh, as we are wont to do on Wednesdays, we start taking a look at the upcoming weekend. We mentioned that uh, Steelers-Cleveland game. Another important game is actually Thursday night, uh, which we've mocked Thursday night. But, Ray, no disputing this, Cincinnati at Baltimore. Um, Baltimore is a three-and-a-half-point favorite as the home team. Uh, coming off a loss, the, the game total there is 46. I, I'm a big believer in Baltimore is just a totally different animal at home. And I, I think the numbers bear it out. I, I think Cincinnati is is fine. You know, they're they're they, they've been really up and down when you think they've set, then they kind of turn in an effort like they had last week against Houston, which they took it to the end, but they didn't play very well. But this this might be yeah, probably one of the top three games of the weekend coming up on Thursday night between the Bengals and the Ravens. Yeah, I agree. And I think that this is a fascinating game uh, for a variety of reasons. I, I'm going to focus uh, here on the Bengals side of things. They could have won a, the football game last week. Tyler Boyd dropped the ball in the end zone that would have won the game. Uh, they did not play well, to your point. They would have been fortunate to emerge with a victory against a team they should have beaten. So now we, we're out. T. Higgins is not going to play, it looks like. I guess there's a small chance he's not going to play. Uh, we're looking at a, a somewhat you know, diminished offensive unit going against a really good Ravens defense at home. But the Bengals have to win this football game. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not, you know, we can lose and okay. They have to win this football game or they fall into the Bills zone of, oh my God, are we even going to make the playoffs? They'll be five and five, just like Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. And they have to win this game. And, you know, Joe Burrow looked pretty sharp for the majority of last game. He made a couple of bad passes, but he looked pretty sharp. He's been playing very well. Um, the Ravens have, you know, a quarterback who struggles to produce yards through the air in Lamar Jackson. He also has turnover issues at times. Uh, they're going to have to do some things defensively, the Bengals. They're going to have to stop the Ravens or slow them down. Uh, and then their offense is going to have to come through. I, I, I'm not surprised the Ravens are favored by, you know, three mm -hmm. and a half, four here. But I kind of am a little bit, Kyle. Am I, am I seeing this wrong to you? I, I, I think the home, I, I would say maybe two and a half or three. I don't think it's anything dramatic. I think the Ravens should be favored. Um, field goal, maybe a little less. So I, I don't think the, the line is too far off. With Tyler Boyd, if somebody has him, Ray, and let's say 12-team league, three starting wide receivers, is he starting tomorrow night? You know, this is a decision you have to make on a Thursday. And, and here's one of these guys. It's a fence-ride decision. You know, which side are you going to land on? I, I think in a PPR setup, I'd have Tyler Boyd probably in my lineup. I'd have him as a top 40 receiver this week. Yeah, I think that Burrow is not going to fade Tyler Boyd. They're not going to phase him out of the offense. He's not going to disappear. It's not going to be Irwin because Boyd dropped the ball in the end zone last week. So I think that Boyd, especially in a PPR setup, has got to be an intriguing option this week. He's got to be. Uh, is he someone that you can expect to go over 100 yards again? Is he someone that you, know, you want to start with utmost confidence? No. But is he a wide receiver three? Yeah, I agree with you. So... Uh, they need him. There will be targets for him. He will have a role and they will not fade him because of what happened last week. Mm -hmm. Got a question in the chat room because it deals with this game. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, Chubba Hubbard, our pickup Daryl Henderson, half point PPR. He says he's looking for upside. That's what we're looking for, Ray. Isn't Keaton Mitchell the answer there? I mean, that's that's the guy you're riding if upside is the goal. Yeah. And Sometimes when people ask questions, they 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 couch it or say it in a way that you know I'll, that's great. I get some it's more a questions. Yeah, it's a leading question, <laughs> but also get the question understanding. Well, my matchup's difficult this week. Or I got guys on by, or I got guys that are hurt. Mitchell's absolutely the upside play. He's also the cavernous floor play. 
you know, because I mean, Henderson's going to touch the ball 12 to 15 times. Hubbard's going to touch the ball 12 <laughs> to 15 times. Mitchell may not play 15 snaps. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you want to have the explosive, hope that the coach is telling us the truth. Hope they're actually going to give him more than 13 snaps. Hope they're going to actually give him the ball more than four times because the coaching staff said they're going to do it. He's the upside play, but he's also the, the low-end guy that could do absolutely nothing this week. Looking at uh, the remainder of the games for Sunday, Chicago is visiting Detroit. Lions are favored by nine. Game totals 47 and a half. Ray, it still appears that Justin Fields is going to be back for this game. Uh, Got to be a pretty decent shot of Khalil Herbert being back for this game. Uh, what to do with Fields and Herbert? Uh, on, on the surface, Ray, I think running back is so beat up that once Khalil Herbert's back, for many of us, he's into your starting lineup. You know, maybe you're loaded there and you don't, but but I, I, I have him in the league, Ray, and I can't wait for him to return. <laughs> That's how bad my backfield is. And I realize what's going on with, with uh, Donta Foreman. As for Fields, Ray, you know, even when he was healthy, there was kind of this tug and pull. Do I start it? What about game one back with a with a thumb that is trying to recover? He's missed three or four games. What, what should a Fields owner do this week? Should they say, hey, I've been without this guy four weeks. I found another answer and just go with that guy and kind of take that wait and see approach with Justin Fields upon his return? I mean, that's basically what I said with Kyler Murray this week. So I'll basically say it with Justin Fields this week. But, you know, we do have teams on by. However, the teams on by, you know, Ritter, Minshew, Mac Jones, Derek Carr, like that's nobody. Like we didn't mm -hmm. lose any. I got to start quarterbacks this week. So if you have Fields, you have to have made other options. Now, if you went Tommy DeVito or Aiden O'Connell, <laughs> okay, you know, that's the pivot you had. If your pivot was, you know, Trevor Lawrence or something, eh, you know. So I think that it's reasonable to say that Fields is a top 12 quarterback this week. I think it's very reasonable to say that. I think he could play a poor game and still run for 60 yards and a touchdown, right? He has absolutely destroyed the Lions, absolutely obliterated the Lions the last couple of times out. I think the last two times out, he's run for 130 yards against them both times. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's some history there on his side too. There's uncertainty, um, but again, I think given everything, I think we have him at like 11 at fantasyguru.com in the rankings, and I have no problem with that. I, you know, I don't have a problem with it. I'm a little nervous, but it's Justin Fields. It's kind of that way even when he's going good. Well, in the chat room, somebody has Trevor Lawrence and Fields. We, we discussed Trevor Lawrence earlier in the week. Um, it's not horrendous, no. but it's not good. It's, it's a disappointing year for Lawrence. He's up against Tennessee, Ray, and I think I'd have to go Trevor Lawrence. I, I'd give him that start over Fields for this week. Yeah, see this, I think the answer to the question of what to do is kind of how you see the game and who you are as a manager. I wrote about Justin uh, Trevor Lawrence in the trending piece on Monday at, at uh, fantasyguru.com. Khan, I talked about him Monday. We had a long conversation about him. You can always, you know, look it up. It's the Monday show, episode 11. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is playing poor football. I think it's a matchup where he should be able to have some success through the air. Uh, I don't want to start Trevor Lawrence. Mm -hmm. I just don't. Uh, we have Justin Fields one spot ahead. Uh, I understand the risk with both guys. I'm playing the game of fantasy, which is if this guy runs for 73 yards, he's more valuable than this guy who runs for six. Because I right. can't see Trevor Lawrence going for 300 yards and three touchdowns in this game. So back to back in the rankings of fantasyguru.com, I would go fields, it, but only because of the concerns I have with Lawrence. It's just not a comfortable start in any scenario for me with him at the moment. Okay. I, I'd probably still lean Lawrence. Uh, Jaguars okay. favored by six and a half. 
home game for them against Tennessee. The uh, game total is 40. They got to win. Jacksonville's yeah, offense has, has just been quiet. Um, other games in that 1 o'clock window, Chargers are in Green Bay. L.A. is favored by a field goal. Uh, game total there is 44. We have three games on Sunday in the early window that have double-digit spreads. Uh, Ray Vegas is a 12-point dog at Miami. The Giants are a 10-point dog at Washington. And the Cowboys are favored by 10.5 at Carolina. Do you like any of those underdogs against the spread? I, I might go Carolina, Ray. Just because Dallas, this is this mm -hmm. is the moment where everybody's sold on the Cowboys. <laughs> but now they go on the road. And I wouldn't predict a loss, but I could predict, Ray, them not winning by double digits on the road at, at the Panthers. My inclination hearing the, that is the same as you. It's Dallas. Now, Dallas has kind of played to the level of competition this year. You know, you're talking, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Kyle. I mean, it's it. it it's hard. It's hard to say that I feel good about them losing a game they should win, but on the road, a team that's desperate to do anything positive. It's almost like every time we buy in, there's that hiccup. Um, but it's still Carolina's not a very good team right now. I don't know, Kyle. It's a tough one. I, I think Carolina's the home team. The other ones, the, the home team is favored. Like the yeah. Giants are just horrendous. Yeah, they're awful. Like it's it's. I can't even see it. And I think Miami just explodes on the Raiders. I, I think that's going to be over pretty quick on Sunday. Uh, let's see. Arizona is at Houston. Murray against Stroud in that one. Texans favored by 447.5. There are only three games in the uh, late window. Tampa at San Francisco. That is another game with a double-digit favorite. 49ers by 11.5. The Jets are in Buffalo. Uh, despite all the negativity with the Bills, Buffalo is favored by 7 in that game. We, we were finishing up the uh, podcast yesterday, Ray, and we got that news on Kim Dorsey. And afterwards I was looking at the, uh, and, and I get it, uh, you know, somebody must fall on the sword. Um, but it's like wild to look at Buffalo's offensive rankings. And Ray, I started to think to myself, have we ever seen another offensive coordinator thrown to the, to the garbage heap in the middle of the season who had had as much statistical success as Ken Dorsey like the bills are I think seventh in points and eighth in yardage and like they're doing things I guess it hasn't been consistently good I was following up on stuff in Buffalo people have been moaning about Ken Dorsey I guess for five weeks now like oh yeah there's no rhythm to but it, it it struck me Ray that a guy would get canned in the middle of the year with that much quote-unquote success they're a top 10 offense and the offensive coordinator has been sent packing. Yeah, and, you know, Josh Allen, is. we talked about this, he's a star in the fantasy game, still the number one quarterback and all that. He's got 15 turnovers in 10 games. Like, that's bad. Like, yeah. that's really bad. And, you know, you can call a great play. You can have a great scheme. If your quarterback, you know, can't do a handoff, the other day he just dropped the ball in a handoff. Like, there's, you know, so I, you never know what's going on in the locker room and all that. I will say that statistically they're fine, to your point. Uh, I had, did follow up and read about the stuff that people think the offense has grown stagnant and all that kind of stuff. And okay. Um, I don't know. Is that the, you know, we talked about it the other day, you know, 12 men on the field on a, on a, on a kick is not the OC's fault. You know, mm -hmm. Gabe Davis dropping a ball right in his hands at the five yard line is not his fault. You know, Josh Allen fumbling a ball on a handoff attempt is not his fault, but 
you know, they felt like they had to do something because their season is on the brink, and that's the move they chose to make. Again, Bills favored by seven for that home game. Seattle is uh, taking on the Rams down in L.A. The Seahawks are only favored by a point. Matthew Stafford expected to be back for the Rams. Sunday night football, we got a pretty good one here, an important one when you look at the playoff standings. Uh, Minnesota is at Denver. Broncos actually favored by two. The Joshua Dobbs story will get plenty of play from the uh, 17 pregame analysts that NBC has. Have you ever seen more of an overkill with a pregame show? <laughs> I will say this, that NFL Network has had the, the, the foreign games. And they have like, yeah, they have like 15 people there. It's like, <laughs> my God, you have a set on the sidelines. You have a set on a set. You have sideline reporters. Like, what is, I don't know, man. I guess the NFL doesn't need much money if they can afford to pay yeah. 15 people to cover a game on the sidelines. It's pretty wild with NBC. Like, I, I don't even, I just feel like they keep throwing things at me. Like I, I, I kind of think Terry Underwood now is breaking down the games for NBC. Like they legit NBC, they legit have what about ten people? Honestly, uh, I, I'd say well if you include Collinsworth and Tariko who yeah. show up, right? You got the uh, three clowns on the sideline, right? You've got the four in the studio, right? Uh, actually, it's six because then Florio and yep. uh, Matthew Barry, right? So that's 11. It's over 10. Melissa yeah. Stark, I don't does she show up on the pregame? She probably does. That's 12. It's a lot of know. people. Yeah, a lot of people. 12 people to get us set for Sunday night football. More than the number of players on the field. Yeah. It's like <laughs> 12. <laughs> we, need, we need a different voice, Kyle. We need to know. But it's like 12 people to break down a game. Uh, just wild. Okay. Uh Philly, Kansas City. Monday night football. That's a fun one, Ray, at Arrowhead. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs favored by two and a half. I will say, Ray, against that spread, I'd take Philly. Kansas City, it, the home team helps a lot here. And both teams are coming off a bye. But, man, Philly looks good. When Philly's on, they're good. The only team who gives them trouble, Ray, is Washington. I don't know why. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but everybody else, else, Philadelphia doesn't seem to have much of an issue. And, and the Chiefs kind of back and forth all season. Yeah, and, and that's a team coming off a bye, and you always think that, you know, Andy Reid figures things out on a bye, so it'll be fascinating to see what happens in the matchup. It should be a great game, obviously a matchup of the big game. Um, so it's tough. The, 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 I think the better team is the Eagles. Now we'll see who wins the football game. The Chiefs have got to establish things offensively. We've, talk, we've all talked about it. It's time to see it. I love the report we got the other day about Kadarius Tony. They're trying to keep him healthy for what? What are you keeping him healthy for? Like <laughs> they're limiting his touches. What I think it's twenty. What has he got? Twenty six touches in nine games. And then, yeah, he's not. And he plays like eighteen snaps. He's not even on the field. Like it's like, what are you saving him for? You need someone to catch the football. Yeah, they're gonna unleash him in the playoffs, right? Uh, like you've never seen before. Yeah. Kadarius Tony. Are people? Hey, do you still get questions about Kadarius Tony? Well, randomly, uh, because you know Jeff Manns was a big fan and said, "Look, if someone, it could be this guy." And it's still, we're waiting for the if someone to happen. And I will say that I'm in a 14 team league with deep bench spots. I may have a one dollar bid on a Kadarius Tony this week. So <laughs> you know, um, but that's maybe they them on Sunday night football, Ray. Yeah, well, when you have Wendell Robinson and they're down to Tony DeVito, uh, Tommy DeVito, it's it's time to find a final uh, player on your roster that's not named Robinson. Uh, that Eagles team in our chat room, Ray. Somebody was wondering about Dallas Goddard. He's of course out on IR. We didn't see the Eagles last week. He's got that broken forearm. 
um, was it Jack Stoll? Is I, I mean the tight end, I guess, in effect, disappears from this offense. Is that fair to say? Well, we've got Calcaterra and Stoll. I think Stoll is the starter, quote unquote. Albert O is there, and he's the only guy that really has offensive chops. Now, obviously, his career hasn't gone according to plan. Um, and we haven't seen him do anything for the Eagles, but he's the only guy that I think has a chance to emerge. What do they do stylistically, schematically with the tight end? Does it become a scenario where, like with the, the Seahawks, where it's three guys every week, each guy's playing mm -hmm. 18 snaps, and I don't know what they're going to do. Alberto, to me, is the only one that's got a chance to emerge, but I'm not picking him up because there's a chance he could emerge. Pretty good week uh, of games. I don't want to say it's the most exciting week, but uh, some good matchups there. So uh, keep us entertained. It'll conclude with that biggie. Eagles at the Chiefs. Much more on uh, week 11 coming up tomorrow. We'll have Ryan Clifford with us here on FSD. Uh, he will get us set for the DFS showdown slate between the uh, Ravens and the Bengals. Uh, before we get out of here, a little baseball. Um, AL Manager of the Year uh, was named yesterday Brandon Hyde of Baltimore. Um, NL Manager of the Year, Skip Schumacher. Congratulations to both those guys. It is award week in Major League Baseball. Today, uh, or later this evening, Cy Young will be announced. Uh, they do finalists now, which I, I don't like. I, I guess they're looking to announce stuff and create anticipation. Uh, finalists in the AL, Garrett Cole, Kevin Gaussman, Sonny Gray. Got to be Cole, right, Ray? I, mean, I, I think that it should be, yes. The NL, like if they hadn't announced three finalists, Ray, this would be even more exciting because you could probably make the case for like five dudes in the National League. Our finalists are Zach Gallen, the man who led baseball in walks, Blake Snell, and then like Logan Webb, what was his record, Ray? What was Logan Webb? 11 and 13, I think. 11 and 13. Led so. baseball in innings pitched, but 11 and 13. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that NL race is, is tight. Like Spencer Strider is not on here. And he might be the most dominating pitcher we had this year. You know, he, he went 20 and five and had like 450 strikeouts. Like, it's, know. you know, it's it's a little strange. So yeah. Who's your guy, Gallon, Snell, or, or Logan Webb? It can't be Logan Webb. So he's he's third place. Um, I, I think that it's going to be Snell. I do too. And okay. yeah, and like you said, I mean, it's, and I wrote about him all season long in the DFS, you know, cash game breakdown at fantasyguru.com. And every time Snell came up, it's like, all right, here we go. Here's start 14. Here's start 15. Here's never gave up any runs. And he's mm -hmm. given up as many walks as hits every time out. And you just can't do it. But the thing is, he did it all season long. He didn't have the regression this season. So in the end, he was what he was a couple years ago when he was with the Rays and won the Sang Award. He was a dominant force. It struck everybody out and didn't give up any hits. Uh, but that walk rate is something that should be very concerning to people looking into 2024 because you just can't do what he did this year long-term doing that. How many guys enter free agency with two Cy Young Awards and they have to compete for attention? Like Blake Snell is one of like five pitchers that people can take a look at because because even baseball rate doesn't really believe that you can sustain this if you're Blake Snell. Yeah, and it's I mean, and you we've all seen it, right? We've all seen it in the fantasy game. We've all seen it in real life when we watch him pitch. He just loses the strike zone. And let's be clear about this: five walks per nine innings, a thirteen percent walk rate for the majority of pitchers, i.e., ninety nine point eight percent of them. That sends you to double A. Like that, you don't even get a, you're not even a triple A. They send you down further to work on your mechanics and all that. So um, he's always had problems controlling the strike zone. It was worse this year than ever before, but because everything else was perfect, he did something that he hadn't done before. And that was, he avoided all of the starts of four and a third innings, 
Mm. Four and two-thirds innings when he was pulled out because he's at 97 pitches. He avoided that this year, went slightly deeper in a game, still can't average six innings to start, still can't do that. But I think overall, as much as we want to say ERA doesn't matter, it's 2.25. I think it's going to yeah. matter. But to your I mean, to your point, his whip was 119, which is, you know, fine. But that's not a Cy winning number. That's not, you know, better than Zach Allen as an example. Uh, six o'clock Eastern is when they announce those awards. Uh, Snell and I think it was six other free agents. All seven of them um, declined the qualifying offer yesterday. Um, so in effect, their old team now gets an extra draft pick. Um, I think the Padres had Hader and, and Snell both declined. Uh, I looked at the updated numbers with that qualifying offer, which for those who know, it's kind of like a franchise tag, but the player gets to choose. Um, Would have been over $20 million for one year. Ray, since this rule was instituted in 2012, only 13 players out of 131 have accepted a qualifying offer. So about 10% is what we got there. Uh, finally, Corbin Burns. A lot of attention on Corbin Burns. Not up for the NL Cy Young. Didn't have the greatest of years, Ray. But mm -hmm. the feeling is Burns is, A, not interested in staying with Milwaukee. B, the Brewers are not interested in a 250 to $300 million contract. Um, C, might be time to rebuild the Brewers. They, they lost, you know, Craig Council. It's kind of an easy cut to just restart things. Uh, Brandon Woodruff is, he may pitch 10 games, I guess, this year. We'll see. Yep. Uh, and Burns is a free agent after 2024. So all signs, Ray, dictate a trade of Corbin Burns. And, and there's a load of teams in baseball. For people who haven't been following this, there's a lot of pitchers available in free agency. You throw in Burns, you know, the Otani situation. But, Ray, we have like 10 to 12 teams who think they can compete but they need pitching. There is a heavy market for pitching. And now Burns, who's totally available, uh, can be had in a big trade, I guess, right now. Yeah, he's 29. Uh, he's averaged about 197 innings the last two years, which makes him a workhorse in the modern game. Uh, he is coming off a, what, six-year low in strikeout rate, which is a little concerning. He's coming off a three-year high in the walk rate. It's a little concerning. He's coming off the worst ground ball to fly ball ratio he's ever had. A little mm. concerning. And there was a lot of unevenness to his game this year. You know, there were starts where he looked great. There were other starts where he was really bad. Uh, still, given everything, he's one of the top right-handed pitchers in baseball. And someone would obviously be very interested in bringing him in and giving him a huge contract. So it will be fascinating to see what happens here because we talked about this too, the change at the managerial position with the Brewers and, you know, where are you going as an organization? You mentioned the loss of Woodruff. Like, they desperately need to keep Corbin Burns. Like, they desperately... Mm -hmm but I just don't think it's feasible at this point in time for them to do that because they know they have very little, if no chance of signing them long-term. You know, I, I will uh, throw this out there. If I were in the market for pitching and again, a lot of teams are, I'd rather go the route on Burns, Ray. And I say that because I don't think the ask is going to be like crazy huge, you know, for one year of Corbin Burns. Um, I'm willing to give up three prospects or, a, you know, an extra outfielder that, that they like and, you know, three mid-level pro I'll do it for a year of Burns. You know, what we always forget about here is, yeah, sure, I only get them for a year, but I'm not stuck with them for seven, like some of these other dudes. Yeah. Um, also, if it doesn't work, I flip them. I get something back at the mm -hmm. trading deadline. I love the idea of going Burns over five, six years contracts to to Sonny Gray or uh, to Blake Snell. I mean, give me give me the one year of Burns and I'll take my shot.
Yeah, it absolutely depends how you look at this. And organizations are more willing than ever to do the I'm overpaying short term to avoid the overpay long term. Giancarlo Stanton recently in the news because his, you know, his GM basically said we're paying a guy to sit on the bench half the time. <laughs> Shocker. Um, who, who could have predicted right? that? Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't yeah. believe that's how that worked. I, I don't even have an Ivy League degree, and I predicted that. that five years ago when it happened. Be the GM of the Yankees, Kyle. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that short-term, let's win now, that short-term will overpay you draft picks or money or whatever. Teams are willing to do that, and it's smart. It is smart because signing anyone to a long-term deal has got danger. And when it's a pitcher, when you got to give that five, six, seven-year deal that you're talking about, and it's $35 million, it's just a lot of money for a guy that you know has almost zero chance of being the same pitcher he is today at the end of the contract. Question in the chat room. Uh, Philadelphia, if you're the Phillies, Ray, since we get to play uh... – kid GM here. Okay. Would you sign Aaron Nola or would you go get Blake Snell? For me, that's easy. Bring back Aaron Nola. That's exactly what I'm doing if I'm the Phillies. I would much rather overpay for a guy I know mm -hmm. that has been here. I don't even think Nola is going to be crazy expensive. I think there's some of, hey, I want to stick it out here. We've been in the, you know, the, the championship rounds the last couple of years. Stick it out with my guys. I, I I go Nola over Blake Snell easy if I'm Philadelphia. Yeah, I think that on the top end, Snell has got Nola. I think it's fair to make that point. I think on the bottom end, Nola's got Snell. And I think that Nola's got durability, which Snell doesn't always have. Nola is a Philadelphia guy. He's been here his whole career. He knows the city. He knows what it's about. Who knows? San Diego's a great place. Okay. Totally different than Philadelphia, right? So I don't like I don't like the idea of Blake Snell in Philadelphia. No, he was in he was he's in Tampa and he's in San Diego, which are about two of the most laid back places you could possibly. Be. You go to Philadelphia, it's a meat grinder. So who knows how that would go? I think that the smart play would bring would be to bring back Nola. Is again, is Nola likely to win a signing award the rest of his career? No. Is he going to give you 190 quality innings and all that kind of stuff? I think the answer is yes. Uh, reminder, as trades occur, free agent signings, whatever it is, Ray will have coverage on the baseball side at fantasyguru.com. Uh, looking at today, I think a relatively small slate on both the NBA and the NHL, but we still have DFS right up. So check those out on your Wednesday. Of course, we've got all the NFL DFS stuff, the season-long uh, NFL stuff, all that's popping fantasyguru.com fsd20 for 20 percent off of everything uh ray that takes us to the conclusion of this uh wednesday tomorrow we're back to the nfl we'll get you set for a pretty good thursday night game i i promise not to complain about the thursday night matchup i i'm, I'm looking forward to the Bengals and the ravens usually i tell my wife ray mm -hmm. that thursday night yeah we, we we don't have to watch it all four quarters open up a bottle of wine let's go yeah tomorrow i'm gonna have to tell her i'm i'm on the clock thursday night I, I promise to not complain about the game. I do not promise to not complain about something else. <laughs> That's usually how it goes around these parts. Uh, thanks to everybody in the chat room. Thanks to everybody who downloads us on the uh, audio side. If you've got uh, friends, family, whomever, as we near the holidays, I say, hey, I'm looking for something that's entertaining, fresh, opinionated, features good analysis, somebody with a lot of hair and somebody with not so much hair. If they're looking for that sort of podcast, you tell them about Fantasy Sports Daily. That does it for us. Back tomorrow, right here. FSD, powered by FantasyGuru.com.